Hey, good morning, everyone. So good to have everyone with us today. What a great time of worship this morning. If you're a guest or visitor here today, we're so, so glad that you're here with us. I want to let you know we've been praying for you. Uh, We've been praying that you would experience God's love and God's grace and God's presence along with us. And I believe today uh, is going to be a significant day in your life. Uh, In the uh, seat back in front of you, I want to call your attention to something called our connection card. We would love to have record of your visit with us. If you would just fill that out and drop it in the offering bucket as it goes by, that would be terrific. If you have any questions about the ministries that we offer here at Calvary Church, just uh, check the corresponding box and we'll be sure to get back with you. I also want to let, let not only guests know, but regulars know that on the back there is a place for your prayer requests and your praise reports. Uh, so if you have a, uh, a prayer request, please jot that down. We'd love to be praying with you, believing God for healing or breakthrough or whatever uh, you know that you need uh, prayer for. But also, if you have a praise report, jot that down as well. We've got some awesome news. Uh, our, our bookkeeper, Josh Martin, works for us. Uh, his father was in a in grave condition. They really didn't think he was going to to uh, survive. He was uh, over the road trucking and just something went really wrong in Baltimore. And they, it was just it was they really really thought they were going to lose him. Well, he came home yesterday, which is uh, for those who know and have been praying. I mean, it is so it could only be a miracle. And so we've been following that carefully, and I want to just thank anyone who's been a part of the prayer chain, prayer network, as we've been praying for Gary and his his wife. They used to be uh, longtime members here, and then they moved away. But I want to make sure that everybody knows that, listen, God answers our prayers. And so if, if you're facing something, make sure you jot it down, and we'd love, love to pray with you. Also, if you are a guest here today, we do have a gift for you in our lobby and our information table. Just let them know and say, hey, I'm a first-time guest here today. We have gifts. Just want to let them know. Thank you for coming. Hopefully you, hopefully you felt very welcome. A couple things that I do want to uh, draw your attention to that have to do with the connection card. I want everybody to like, put their hand on this one because this week is a very, very large week. We just came out of a VBS. We'll hear a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, and we're going into one of two major outreaches that we do, uh, one of three, really, if you count VBS. Um, on July 3rd, a week from tonight, uh, our church has, has been known, uh, kind of getting a reputation of becoming the water church. Uh, at the Inverness Fireworks, we will be passing out a couple thousand bottles of water, completely free, uh, just to bless the community. We do that outreach from 5 to 8, and we're in three different locations, Winn-Dixie parking lot, uh, Safeway parking lot, and also over at Suncoast Bicycle Cross and Liberty Park. And we will set up, and we'll be passing out free bottles of water. You will be amazed how a simple act of kindness opens a door for the kingdom of God. When you pass out a bottle of water in Christ's name, you will be surprised how You'll, you'll find that people need prayer, or they want to talk, or you know they were just coming to see the fireworks, and all of a sudden God broke them in in a moment. But 
If you weren't one of the nine or so people that registered online, you can register today on your connection card. We really need your help at this outreach. Um, in order to pull it off, we really need, just to, just to kind of streamline it, just it would be about six weeks. Um, but if you can come and you want to be a part of this outreach, please, on your connection card today, and you can be there and you will be there. Not like change your mind last minute because there's a, a rerun of an episode, something on Netflix you want to see. No, no, like you will actually be there. Uh, jot it down. And, and say, hey, I'll be a part of the July 3rd outreach. It's from 5 to 9 in those locations. We do need a little bit of help uh, with some things on Saturday with coolers and ice and getting some things ready. And we also need a few people with trucks uh, to go to each of the corresponding locations. It is a great time. We finish up around 8, and then the fireworks usually go off about 9 o'clock. And then you sit wherever you are till about 10, till the traffic, uh, till the traffic breaks. So if you could... Please, please, please make a note uh, on the connection card and turn in and say, yes, I will be a part of the July 3rd outreach. That would be great so we can plan accordingly. Um, as we get ready um, for this morning's tithes and offerings, I just uh, want to say we came out of one of the most fantastic weeks of the year. This week was so, so good, and I, I really just want to honor Pastor Carl and Megan for their leadership in this area. They are so, so terrific. I mean, they're just so awesome. And um, um, if if you volunteered at VBS, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I want you to just stand up, you know, adults and teenagers who are in here, you volunteered. All right. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, we say thank you. Thank you to all of you. Annie oversaw our preschool, and uh, uh, Miss Denise was overseeing our missions, and Dennis was helping out. We had people everywhere doing everything. But I want to say kudos to my teenagers. Kudos to our young people who were small group leaders all week long. D they dug in. They were leading our kids and being a voice to them. You guys made a tremendous, tremendous difference. You know, there were two primary things that we heard from parents from all over the county. You know, their, their kids come from all over. And we heard two things. Number one, it says they won't stop talking about VBS. They absolutely love VBS. And the second thing is, is that they are so exhausted. They come in the door and collapse. But when they wake up, they're like, is it VBS again? You know, um, it was, and that's really to be expected when we turned Calvary Church into Inverness's own water park. It was a terrific, terrific, terrific outreach. And I want to say this. You know, I got the privilege of standing before them and dancing and singing all week. So I saw right up close the effect that we were having. I heard the Bible verses being recited, and I, I saw the kids raise their hand to respond to inviting Christ into life. I saw it firsthand. Many of you didn't, but I, I, want, you to, I want you to understand something. You had a part in it. It is through your faithful giving or returning of the tithe to the church that made this outreach possible. We did, we did not charge a single child. 
We didn't want to do that. We do it to bless them. And I want you to understand that even if you don't have a blue VBS shirt, if you are giving or returning the tithe, you had a part in VBS. And it was your giving that made it possible for them to not only hear the gospel and hear all about the life of Paul and his journeys and how Jesus changed his life and how they could you know, experience uh, God and, and they, had, they had this little survival pack and it was just a terrific, terrific week. They, they not only received that, but there's a seed now inside of these young people. They may be five now. I believe at 15 years old, that memory verse, it's going to be I, I, I actually know for sure that all of our teenagers will be incessantly singing the songs from VBS. I know it. Your giving helped lead them there. When you return the tithe, when you give the tithe to the local church, the kingdom of God grows. I, I wish you could have been here to hear the parents on the front lines as we did the ice cream social, as the kids were performing afterwards. And you could hear the testimonies, and you could hear the moms and dads. This is so nice. This is so good. Tell me who made that possible for your generosity. And I want to just say it again. This is the most generous place I've ever, ever been around. And we want to see to it that we continue to excel in this place of giving. So this morning, let's just take our offerings in our hands. And uh, as we as we uh, give this morning, return the tithes to the Lord, and as we give to missions and benevolence, we're going to watch a little rewind video from VBS. So you'll see some of the faces and the fun that we have this week. We just want to say thanks to God again for blessing us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to say thank you. Lord, thank you, Lord, for all of the lives that were changed. Thank you, Lord, for the, 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 the children who gave their lives to you. Thank you, Lord, for those who took another step closer to you. Thank you, Lord, for the word that was sown in their heart. Thank you, Lord, for, for, for those of us who served, God, that, that we got to grow as we served the next generation. And Father God, I pray all of the blessing that we received being on the front line that this entire congregation would receive because of their giving. Father, I'm asking in Jesus' name that you would bless Calvary. Bless these givers, God. Bless those who, Lord, faithfully sow into your kingdom. Lord, cause your face to shine upon them. Increase them, God, I pray. Father, we just want to say it's an honor to partner with you. It's such an honor, Lord, to sow into your kingdom and see your kingdom expand. God, this morning we really only have one request for giving this morning. God, turn every dollar into your kingdom. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Oh, man, what an awesome time. Hey, this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. We're going to begin a series called Still Amazed, a series on grace. Titus chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 11. 
We're going to do a series on grace because if there is one idea that best sums up the culture of the kingdom, it is grace. It is the grace of God that sums up the culture of the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's a lot of misunderstanding about grace out there, and some of you may not even be aware of that, that, you know, that uh, that there is, uh, you know, a, a grace that comes on us and we can live whatever way that we want to live. And I would say that that is a twisted grace and not a grace at all. Um, and that, you know, some some would say, oh, grace is so big that sin doesn't even exist anymore. Um, and that's that's actually a, a, a heretical idea. Um, and so I, I want you to understand grace. And here's why I believe that understanding the foundational principle from God's Word is necessary for us as a church to answer the call of God to Citrus County. We have to understand some foundational principles, and if we understand them, we'll know how to explain them. If we grab a hold of them, we'll, we'll know how to explain God's love, God's favor, God's grace. And so we're going to spend some time on grace and understand it from a few different angles. So Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. It's going to be our main text for the next few weeks. It says this in verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask that right now, by the Spirit of God, you give us ears to ear, hear. God, I'm asking, Lord, right now, God, that if there be any misunderstanding about your grace, God, help us to gain biblical understanding of what you've done for us through grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to start today, and I'm going to just spend a little bit of time today teaching. Uh, I am going to tell, uh, a, a, you know, tell a little story here in, in just a few moments, but I want to teach you a little bit about grace. And so you have some notes. You need to take these notes, and I want you to write, these, write this down. Grace is God's undeserved kindness through which salvation is given. Grace is God's undeserved kindness through which salvation is given. Maybe some of you have been around church, you've heard this definition. Unmerited favor. It's another way of saying undeserved favor. There's another aspect of grace which we're going to cover in the coming weeks that sometimes in the church we miss as a definition. It is the power word used to describe the Holy Spirit's gifts and movements. And we didn't realize it. Most of the time we don't realize that grace is, is it carries a few different sides. There is an undeserved favor side of grace, which we're going to talk about today. Then over the coming weeks, we're actually going to talk about the 
effects of grace in the sense of, of what it works in us as believers. We're going to talk a, a little bit about that in the coming weeks. But right now, we're going to focus on grace with one definition of His undeserved kindness through which salvation is given. If you would really give a very, very all-encompassing definition, you could say grace is a favor that unlocks a force. Grace is a favor that unlocks a force. It unlocks the power of God available to work in us and through us. So grace, another way of saying uh, favor would be a blessing. They're interchangeable. It was sort of like that is, it is a blessing from God. So this week we're going to examine the undeserved favor called grace. Now, in order to understand grace, uh, I, I want us this morning to compare some biblical ideas. Um, and, and so we will, we, that you really kind of have to understand in order to gain a greater, uh, under, greater grasp of grace. Now, these aren't just biblical ideas. They are actually character traits of God himself. They're actually character traits of God. Now, this first one, this is one that we actually, uh, uh, as human beings, maybe you're not, maybe you've been around for a little while, maybe you've been trained in the scripture, but as human beings, we really connect to this first character trait of God, and that is this one, justice. Justice. Now, justice is receiving what you deserve, okay? We get that, receiving what you deserve. You know, the picture of justice is Lady Justice. She's blind. She has a scale. And basically, it's whatever, uh, whatever you did, you get the corresponding action. So justice is getting what you deserve. Children have a very high sense of justice. Very high. I have five children. God forbid there only be three cookies. They become experts in math. Only time they can't do math is when they have math homework. Three cookies divided by five, they're mastering fractions. They understand justice. And listen, this is not a negative thing. Because God is a God of justice. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. So God is a God of justice. He is. But you really can't understand fully God unless you also understand, in light of his justice, his mercy. So you need to understand mercy. So justice is getting what you receiving what you deserve. Mercy is not receiving what you deserve. Not receiving what you deserve. That's actually um, this one. Uh, I understand it because this is kind of how I was born again. I know none of you did this, but I prayed a very selfish prayer. When all things became new, it was, God, if you can get me out of this one. That's what I prayed. And he did it. 
then radically changed my life about two weeks later. And um, and I, I it was it was nothing, but I just didn't get what I deserved. And look at how this encompasses who God is. Psalm twenty five ten says, "All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such who keep His covenant and testimonies. All the paths of the Lord are mercy." You want, I, need to, I need you to hear that today and let it sink in because we are quick to connect with justice, but we fail sometimes in realizing that the mercy of God is something that we can experience day after day after day. It says all of his paths are mercy. They're filled with mercy. If you had been uh, here Thursday night for prayer, we actually prayed about that theme, a lifestyle of mercy. I want everybody to come to prayer on Thursday nights, if you can. Thursday night, be here for prayer. We want to. We want you to experience what we were experiencing. All of us were overwhelmed by the Spirit of God, understanding God's mercy as we were crying out for mercy to be released. Mercy is what God wants to release. Listen to me. God wants to release mercy to you. I'm just trying to break through for some people here because some of you are like, nope, not me. God wants to release mercy to you. It's where you do not get what you deserve. He wants you to experience His mercy. And He will give you mercy if you ask for it. So justice is receiving what you deserve. Mercy is not receiving what you deserve. Grace is receiving something you do not deserve. So grace is actually receiving something you do not deserve. And remember, this is a character trait of God. This is part of His character. Part of who he is. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen. Christ is full of grace. He is full of undeserved favor toward you and toward me. God is full of grace. And if you've come here today under the weight of a voice saying, God will never forgive you for that, I am going to silence that voice with the truth of God's Word. He is full of grace, and He loves mercy. As you'll find out in a moment, and He satisfied justice. He's full of grace. Um, a few years ago... Um, our lives got really, really touched by revival. Um, it was in 19, I guess it would be about 19, end of 98 and in 99. Um, I was touched by revival in 93. God really stirred something in my spirit. So I was working with Pastor Mike uh, in the youth ministry, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to start a Friday night meeting where we could just, man, just go after God in my house. And my house in Cape Coral was tiled throughout. You know, which was really good because God would come into that room and we would be worshiping and 
playing, and young people, I had no idea some of the weights that they were carrying, young people would be crying so hard, they would snot be going everywhere, it was way easier to mop, it was beautiful, okay, it was awesome, you have no idea, I have some stories about that living room, and and I, I, I'll never forget it, one of the guys that we reached, literally we reached him for Christ, he was involved in selling drugs and all kinds of stuff, and he was an extreme athlete. His name's Andre. Um, he started coming to that, and I'm telling you, God turned his entire world around. Everything changed. Everything shifted for, for Andre. And uh, I'll never forget this. We were sitting in this meeting. We were just teaching God's word and God's truth, that the assignment of us as believers is to, what, heal the sick, raise the dead, freely you've received, freely give. That's the basic message of the gospel. So he heard that, raise the dead. And he's brand new, right? Brand new. And I like brand new believers because they haven't been messed up with doubt. Well, it was a short time after that that uh, Andre, who was in his 20s, like I said, he was an extreme athlete. He was, he was such a great athlete, had never played um, organized football before, tried out for a semi-pro football team in Fort Myers, played quarterback for that team and led them to their first undefeated season ever. So he's just, I mean, he is just, uh, just unbelievable, um, you know, athlete. And so he loves sports. Well, his dad and his stepmother were going to be going somewhere. So his dad asked Andre, who was in his 20s, to watch these, his younger sisters and their twins. And they're young. And let's just call them industrious, Okay. They're, they're industrious. They really like to get into a lot of things. So, you know, Andre has to keep a close eye on them. And I'll never forget this because um, Andre's parents had just bought this full-bred little puppy. I'm not even sure what the breed was, but it was just a little fluffy, furby-looking dog, okay? And, and, and it was a beautiful little dog. And uh, I'll never forget, he calls me on the phone and says, Dude, you are not going to believe what happened. I'm like, okay, just tell me what happened. And he says, no, 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 I got I to gotta come over and tell you. So he's watching his sisters, but the baseball games were on. He was a big Yankees fan, which is probably where he veered. Uh, grace, that's right. And he's watching the baseball game and loses complete track of what his sisters are doing. And everything got quiet. He's like, ooh, something's wrong. Quiet. Well, he goes to begin to search for them. And right as he finds them, one of his sisters had grabbed his aluminum bat from his room and had lined up the puppy and dink, hit it right in the head and killed it. And it was laying there dead, and he did not know what to do. He was freaking out. Freaking out, it laid there dead. And he's like, what were you thinking? They're like, <laughs> you know, he, they're laughing. I don't, I don't, again, they're industrious. And he's like, what am I going to do? This dog is laying dead on you know, in a tomb. 
And he, he, then he tells me he remembered what we said. Healed the sick, raised the dead. I'm glad he didn't call me before this moment. Because I didn't have good theology about raising dead animals. Frankly, there isn't much of those theolo- that theology in the Bible. But he didn't care. He's been laying there dead in 15 minutes, and he grabs hold of it, and he flings over it, and God raises the puppy to life and heals the puppy. Now, all of you are like, whoo! <laughs> the puppy, in my opinion, coming back to life was mercy. Andre getting paid to watch his sisters, that's grace. Yes, Dad, Mom never found out. Never told him. So, today, what do we want to learn about grace? Here's what we want to learn. Grace, grace is the vessel that carries salvation. I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul penned in verse 11 there in Titus. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God plays a vital role in our salvation. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2 and read, uh, we're going to leave a, uh, read a, a large portion of it. Um, you're going to find out that these character traits and these ideas are all meshed together in one chapter. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4, says this, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead, like the puppy, in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to, ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For, now watch these two verses carefully, by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now there is an order that unlocks salvation for us in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It is first this. It's the grace of God. Second, it's faith. And third, it's salvation. The grace of God, faith, and the free gift the unearnable gift of salvation. Well, now that we're kind of beginning to understand grace, the real question is, is faith in what? If we're saved by grace through faith, you have to ask the question, faith in what? And it is very simply answered this. The grace of God demonstrated in Jesus. There is no greater picture given to all of humanity of grace 
in the work of the cross. It is the cross that declares God's graciousness. Now listen, watch these character traits begin to line up. See, God's justice demanded atonement for the sins of mankind. Hebrews 9.22 says this, According to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. God's justice says this, Sin, in order for it to be forgiven, something or someone has to die. There must be the shedding of blood. Many people ask, like, well, why does Christ have to die? He dies on the cross to satisfy God's justice. He dies on the cross to satisfy justice. On the cross, Jesus made this statement, and many of you probably know it. There are seven sayings that Jesus makes on the cross, but this one is very significant. Probably in most of your Bibles, it's listed this way. He cries out in a loud voice and says, It is finished. And it was. But in Greek, literally, that statement is an accounting term. And literally defines, he said this, paid in full. He said, paid in full. He says, the justice of God connected to sin upon all of humanity who would receive him by faith is paid for in full. And I have to declare to everyone in here today, that if you are in here and apart from God and you don't have a relationship with God, the payment has been made. It is paid in full, giving you access to grace. God's mercy was shown to us by Jesus actually taking our place. Remember mercy? not getting what you deserve. Listen, Isaiah 53 is one of the most profound chapters in all of the Bible. Isaiah penned these words some 700 years before Jesus would walk the hills of Israel. He penned them and described in great detail what the Spirit of God was showing him that the Messiah would suffer and die and experience. Right now in Israel, many rabbis are coming to receive Jesus as Messiah as it is connected to Isaiah 53. It is actually a, almost a statistical impossibility that somebody could prophesy something 700 years in advance and then somebody complete all of those details in the exact way that they were described. Especially when other people were doing it wrong. Isaiah 53, 4, notice how these words are framed. Surely He has borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. 
but he was wounded for our transgressions, not his. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the mercy. That's the mercy of not receiving what we deserve. It's God's grace that gives us what we do not deserve, and that's salvation. Romans 6.23, you're probably familiar with it, but if not, the Scripture says the wages, the payment, the paycheck for sin is death. Eternal separation from God. But the gift, and I would say it this way, the free, scandalous, overwhelming, hard to believe, it's so good gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Grace is scandalous. If you meditate on grace, on us receiving something we do not deserve, that and, and the gift is so huge, God bankrupted heaven to give it to us. He took the most choice prize, His only Son, the most valued one in all of heaven, and He gives Him as a gift so that we can receive what we do not deserve. That's scandalous. And he says, you can't earn it. You can't earn it, but you can receive it by faith. So what's the right response to God's demonstrated grace in Christ? As I was praying about this, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, show me. Show me what the right response is. He just took me to Acts chapter 2. You see, there was a moment when the church experienced an outpouring of God's Spirit. But there were people on the outside who didn't know about God's grace. They were in a system of law and work. They were in a system of trying. They were very religious people, probably very moral people. But they were apart from God's grace. And they did not know about God's demonstrated grace through the cross until Peter stood up in Acts chapter 2 and began to declare it to them. And he finished his sermon there in verse 36 with this statement, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. You see this? Listen. He said, you crucified him, but that's the picture of grace. He said, God has made him both Lord and Christ. It says, now when they heard this, here's the response. They were cut to heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we Church, yes, when you truly see what God did for us through Christ and His work on the cross, here's the first thing that ought to produce a cutting of the hearts. 
there ought to be something inside of you that says, it could be me. There ought to be something inside of you that says, why is deception at the center was his only son because he raised him from the dead. He said, what shall we do? And then Peter said this, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Listen. If you've ever thought that you received grace without going through the door of repentance, you received a false grace. It's not grace at all. Grace has one door. It's faith. That faith leads you to a place of repentance. Repentance in Greek is a word called metanoia. It means to change the mind. And therefore, since you've changed your thinking, you now are going to change your direction. And he says, repent. He said, the way you thought before, now you've got to think another way. The way you walked before, you've got to walk a different way. In light of God's grace, in light of His mercy, in light of His justice, in light of grace, repent. The right response is to allow your heart to be cut. And then say, God, I want to think like you think. I want to feel like you feel. I'm going to live Christ-like. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 12, there's a prophetic word given about God saying what He was going to do in Israel. And listen to how grace and the cross come together in this passage. Zechariah 12.10 says, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. It says, Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as they mourn, as, they, as, as one who mourns for their only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Listen. The grace of God is so good that the parts of us that are disconnected from God, it wants to make us different. Not condemnation, that's not from God. That comes from the enemy. Conviction says, oh, I am cut to heart. I am mourning that there is this part of my life that does not look like Christ. That there is part of me that that God is offering grace to that I have not allowed it to penetrate. The Scripture describes it this way, that in the last days there would be people 
who have a knowledge of a God or a knowledge of the gospel, but it's none. It counts. Zero. Church, I want to say this. You're here today. You never allowed the goodness of God to the cross. Most of us think, you know what, I'm just going to add Jesus to my life and he'll just be, I'll just keep him here for when I need him and I die. That's not a picture of biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity says, he died on the cross to give me something that I could not earn. I do want to say this, that grace is for more than just salvation. It's if you're a lot like me, I've sinned a lot after I, I gave my life to Christ. A lot! So you know what I need? More grace. You'll hear a little bit about that. God says, I'll give more grace to the humble. More grace. There are people here today just like more grace. But sometimes we just stop. We just give up. We, 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 um, we surrender our beliefs to our minds. You know what our beliefs say? Sometimes this is what we believe. Well, I'll never change. And I want to say this. It's easier to surrender your actions than it is your beliefs about yourself in light of God's word. We say, okay, well, I can give that up. But there are sometimes we say, well, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm not this kind of person. But I'm always going to possess this kind of fault. I'm always going to possess this. No. Not in light of grace. Not in light of grace. That struggle you don't have to struggle with in God's grace. That, that sin, that weight, maybe, you, you know, maybe you're apart from God this morning and you don't have a relationship with Him, guess what? There's grace for you. The undeserved favor of God given by God through His Son, Jesus Christ, it has been given. All of us can receive it by faith. Every single person in here. We won't hold back. Salvation is a free gift. It can be yours because of God's grace. Let's pray. morning, I just want to finish up by asking this question. If you don't have a relationship with God, you need to know He wants a relationship with you. Not a religious arrangement, but a relationship. You say, why would He want that? Because He loves you. And he demonstrated his love for you. While we were still sinners, you don't have a relationship with God today. You can start with that. Your heart is cut this morning. You say, you know what? 
I did so much for you. I want to receive the free gift of my father. You can if you already do it. Just say it very simply. A, B, C. Admit. Admit your sin. Turn and admit it. You know, there's some things that in your life they just don't please God. And you repent. Turn to me. The B is believe that God sent His Son Jesus to pay the price for your sins and mine. That He was buried and on the third day God raised Him from the dead. And C is confess Him as your Lord, Savior, Master, Leader, and Savior. Just say, God, make you Lord. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Romans 10, 13 says it very simply. And all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I do want to ask this morning, if that's you, you know you don't have a relationship with God, you've got no assurance of heaven, but you would like it today. You want to begin a relationship with God. I'm just going to ask that when every head is bowed and eyes are closed, that on the count of three, you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor Oz, would you please pray for me? I'm that one. I need to begin a relationship with Christ. That's you. Lift your hand. One, two, three. Awesome. I see your hand. Awesome. Praise God. Praise God. See it? It's awesome. Yeah, I see it in the back. Awesome. Praise God. I'm just going to put your hands down. I'm just going to lead you in a little prayer. And Calvary, let me just pray it along together. This is just to help those who have just lifted their hands who are turning to Christ in this moment. Just pray this out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you now to forgive me, to wash me, and cleanse me. Right now, I'm turning to you. I'm turning from my old life. And by faith, receiving your grace. Lord, I believe Jesus died for me. That he was buried. And on the third day, raised from the dead. I confess you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life. I surrender my own. Probably just one person who repents, and there were several hands that went up here this morning to give their life to Christ. We're so glad that you did that. But there are others here today, I believe, who are carrying the weight of a voice that doesn't come from God. That voice that says you'll never be free of that thing that you did. That there was grace to save you, but 
you know, you kind of thought to yourself, well, the rest has been up to me. I want to tell you, it's all up to Him. It's all up to Him. And I want to, I, I want to pray over those who say, you know what, I've been carrying the weight of condemnation and I want it to end today. So if that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray over you this morning. You say, you know what, that's me. I've been carrying the weight of some bad choices. Listen, I see your hand. Awesome, awesome. Yep, I see it. Yep, yep. There's hands up all over the place. Yep, yep, that's awesome. And people are about to get free. So intercessors, just pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, right now, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for your undeserved kindness. And I thank you that your word declares that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we are asking God for a tidal wave of mercy and a tidal wave of grace to sweep through this place, God. We don't want to just know it theologically. We want to experience it daily, God. And I'm asking God that in this moment, the chains of condemnation come off sons and daughters. I declare you free. I declare you free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We silence the voice of condemnation. In Jesus' name, God loves you. I'm going to ask that our prayer team would come forward. And our altar ministry team. If you have a need of any kind, could be connection to the message, could be something totally different. If you have a sickness in your body, you're facing something, we want to pray for you. If you have a prayer need of any kind, if you gave your life to Christ, I want you to come and tell somebody in the altar, man, I gave my life to Jesus today. That would be awesome. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And then when we stand and pray and dismiss, you come and receive prayer. Now, listen, you, you should never be embarrassed to receive prayer. We all need it. So why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for grace. I want to thank you for your undeserved kindness, God, that rescued us, Lord, in the midst of sin, in the midst of Lord, maybe not even looking for you. Father, today I pray, Lord, that we would go and spread this grace everywhere we go throughout this week. That we would share about your love and your compassion and how you died for us and took the penalty that we deserve. Thank you so much for these amazing sons and daughters. I pray that you would use them immensely this week. I pray, God that you would begin to stir in their hearts how they could share of your goodness and your grace everywhere that they go. Pray your blessing upon them now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And if you have a need of any kind and you want prayer, please come forward. God bless you and have a great day.
Nothing more than a moment, holding up his curtain.